All right, John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. Uh, if we have any visitors, we, we've taken care of some visitors already, but if we had any visitors that uh, got in here late and missed communion, please let us know after class and we will arrange it for you, okay? I know that some have already been uh, helped, but we want to make sure that you don't get lost. We had quite a few visitors today, so I'm not sure why today's a traveling weekend, but there it is. John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. There's so much here already, and he's not done. He's going to keep repeating this with a different slight twist to it. I can remember that the only time this was really brought up, as far as I can remember, is uh, in our church. And we were uh, just to the right of, we were the Al-Qaeda branch. Uh, of the church, and uh, the Taliban wing, I had my five-year ISIS badge, um, they would show the denominations, say, Jesus is uh, the vine, and the denominations are the branches, you know, Methodist and Baptist, and they name a bunch of denominations, but we're not a denomination, and that's not what that is. Uh, it's saying individuals are coming off of this. I, th I think uh, you can take anything Jesus says and analyze it to the point where it dies. Let's be really careful with it. Let's just pull back and see what he's saying. One of the things he is saying, I, uh, I've always struggled with, frankly. And that is, Jesus is speaking to us as community. When I am, a, I'm, a, I'm an introvert, a bit of a loner, I'd love it if Jesus uh, released us as a bunch of loon rangers upon the earth. But Jesus continually calls us to community. In fact, take a look at the New Testament. There are a few books that are written to individuals. There are the books written to Titus and to uh, Timothy. Those, however, they're being told how to form and work with a community. Then there's Philemon. That was written to an individual. But the uh, Onesiphorus is, is being told to form a community with a person he used to consider a slave and now should consider his brother. All the rest of them are addressed to groups, or they are, like the book of James, a general epistle for all groups. God works with us in groups. In fact, he even said, where two or more of you gather in my name, there I am in the midst of you. Now, does that mean if you're stranded on a desert island, that God can't find you or won't be with you? Well, of course not. Don't do that to the Word of God. Don't try to legalize the Word of God. Let Him speak to us as people speak. He is saying, this is your community. I am your community. I have to be the source of life in your community. If you're getting the source of life from any other source, you're, 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 you're going to wither and be cut off by the gardener. You need to be rooted in me. This is one of the more frustrating aspects of my travels. And I say frustrating, but I, I, don't, I don't get upset. It just, it makes me just sad that people have a hard time getting this. Churches will say, what are your programs? 
that has helped you grow? What are your programs at Fourth Avenue that have turned you into this kind of a church that you are? And I'll say there are, are no programs. We tell everybody, open arms, empty hands, love, love everybody until they ask you why. We'll say love them and they'll follow you home. That's all we do is we intentionally and intensely love one another. Yeah, but what are the programs? They're looking for something else. One of the curses of the universe is that people who want to follow Jesus tend to want Jesus and. There's an and there. It might be precision obedience, precision worship. Precision by that means that there's only one way and it has to be done in exact precision. Or it might be a particular program. I can remember uh, we had just gotten to America in the, in the late 80s and uh, got a, uh, a mailer uh, that said this man in our brotherhood was coming into our area to talk about this particular Bible study that was really popular at that time about, uh, you know, that we take it to people and study with them and ask these questions, and that leads them right into to baptism. I'm not going to name the man, and I'm not going to name the, the series, because that would just, that would take us in the side roads we don't need to go. I had, I was very familiar with it, but I never answered the mailer. I wasn't going to go do it, and he made his living this way, evidently, by going into different areas and getting all the different churches of Christ to get him, pay him, spend some time with him doing this. Well, after two or three mailers and I didn't respond, he called. And I made the mistake of picking up the phone. This is before caller ID, even. 80s, it's amazing how much has changed. I picked up the phone, and when I explained, I said, no, we're, we're, we're really busy. We've got other things we're doing. He got irate at me and said, this has been proven to bring people to Jesus. And I said, I do not doubt that. He says, well, if you don't have me in, you're just not interested in bringing people to Jesus. Oh, well, that's a whole different thing now, isn't it? I didn't push because I didn't know what to say or do. I just explained, no, we're, we're not doing that. Wasn't opposed to it, but we did, we, we converted people a different way. We loved them wrapped our lives around them, and they felt at home when they came here. And that was enough, and our church grew, a church that had just gone through a vicious split before we arrived. The minister ran off with the wife of an elder. That's, um, that's one of the top ten signs that there might be some dysfunction in the room. Uh, and they were quite nervous folk, and, and they hired me because they said, we need a therapist to be the minister for a while, and I agreed to stay a year, and we stayed nine, I think. Uh, so never invite me in your house. Uh, I might not be leaving. My point is this. People are always thinking, what's the program? How do we talk to millennials? How many times have you heard that? How do we reach before that Gen X? What do we do to reach this group? How do we? And every plan and every program has a, a sell-by date. All of them die. Do you remember the bus ministries? Oh, my goodness. That was money and labor-intensive, wasn't it? The joy bus. It, your life was wrapped around that thing. Was I opposed to the joy bus? Nope, not even a little bit. Was I surprised when it quit working? Nope, not even a little bit. Everything born a man dies. The only way to really grow is keeping Jesus. 
I spent some time with about um, 30, 40, I think it was closer to 40 ministers the last couple of days. And one of the things that they talked about, when because most of them listen to the podcast every week. They stay in touch with me in various uh, forms, through, and, and we're just friends. It's not like I'm their mentor or teacher. We're, I may do that a bit. But one of the things that they kept bringing up was how we move and speak of love and Jesus all the time. In fact, one of them said, are you ever going to be done with that class on just Jesus stories? I said, no. He said, I didn't think so. And he was, he was uh, approving of it. He said, we, just, we tend to hit something and we move on to the next thing. And I said, I know, but with Jesus, there is no next thing. We stick with Jesus. We might have to do it a different way to keep interest alive, maybe a different teacher, but rooted in Jesus. But there's something else here which is troubling. And I didn't get this until a couple years after I married Cammie, and I learned it from her, her father, Jerry. We, um, I'm trying to even remember where we were, whether we were still in America at that time or back in Scotland, but we had some roses, and I didn't do anything with them, and they didn't do much. And so um, my, my wife says, well, he knows roses. He used to grow them and do different varieties of them. And so I went, Jerry, while you're here, you want to go out and have a look at those? He said, sure. So he's out there for a while. I come out, and they're all, to my mind, they were gone, just a stick. And I was, <laughs> I wanted to be irate, but the man's big. And, um, and I'm married to his daughter, and she likes him, so I, I was limited in my response. So I think eventually I went to Cammie, and I said, why did he cut so much back? And she said, he said, that's what you got to do. Next year, amazing roses. I didn't know that to get sometimes something to, to do well, you got to cut it way back. And he says, sometimes God's got to do that to you. He's got to cut you back. He's got to bring you down and prune you to get you ready to bear fruit. Now that's... In, um, I can understand that. I really, I don't like it. Who wants to be pruned? You know, I don't like it, but I can understand it because in my life, my life is very noisy because of the blessings in my life. I have to take care of the house. I drove in from Little Rock yesterday, got back to a yard that needed the lawn mown. Cammy said, well, we got a guy that could come out sometime next week, and I'm looking at the weather, seeing it raining. I know what happens to our yard. It just goes crazy. And I said, I gotta cut it. So I cut and strimmed and did all that and raked and did all that kind of work. Wasn't thrilled with it, but you got a house, you gotta do that, right? You got a house, you gotta clean the house. You got kids, you gotta feed the kids. Everything gets very noisy. Sometimes God's gotta take toys away from us so we get quiet enough to do what we're supposed to be doing. And I don't like that, but is that not true? Um I, I think one of the reasons we're so unhappy, because we are, uh, we're, the, we're the most blessed generation in the history of the world, and yet we're also the most medicated. I think one of the reasons we're so unhappy is because we have so much stuff. It's so noisy. We never get quiet. And we need quiet. More about that this fall, in the sermon series this fall. Prunes. If he loves you, he'll prune you. Another passage in Scripture says, if you love your children, you chastise them. Mm. That's very true. You ever been around kids that have never been chastised? That's unpleasant. Why is it that so many, and by the way, this is well known, it's been well studied, 
Why is it that so many Hollywood stars, but more than that, sports stars, get involved in so many illegal things? Guns, drugs, rapes, all this kind of thing. Why do so many? It's been studied so many times, and the answer keeps coming back, because nobody tells them no. They have so much money, so much status, so much power, nobody tells them no. That's, we have to let God tell us no. And again, I don't like it. I don't like it when God tells me no, do you? Well, when he tells you no, you might like it when he tells me. I don't like it, but I do understand the need for God to draw some borders and boundaries. And he says, you're already clean Stay with me, because you're not going to bear fruit without me. you gotta, you got to stay with me. I think any time that we find ourselves here at 4th Avenue stuck in, in, in anything, I don't let you define that the way you want, we need to look upon that as a sign that we might not be tapped into our life source. We need to start thinking more about Jesus and remember, he's introducing the Holy Spirit in a powerful way during these chapters as well. So when you're with Jesus, you're also with the Spirit. That's your life. That's your guidance. That's our wisdom. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am. Um, he might be doing a parallelism here. The, the Jewish people do that a lot in speech, where he's saying the same thing twice. You can't bear fruit alone, and you must remain with me, might be the same thing. But it also might be saying, you have to stay with each other, and you have to stay with me. The, the hard, uh, think of a lava flow. I wish I'd studied up on this, so I would use data, and I didn't. When you see a lava flow, I've, I've never seen an active volcano. Always wanted to. I, I don't want anybody to lose a house or an island or something, but I'd like to see one up close. Uh, not real close, I'll let you know. But you see that rolling molten rock, hot. But the further out it goes, eventually it cools and goes dark. And I've often reminded myself, because I need to know, hottest coal on the planet, if pulled away from the other coals, will go dark and cold. As much as I might want to be a loner, I need the group. I need the group. And one of the reasons I'm a minister is so that I'll be here. Some of you have heard me say that before, and you might be thinking, oh, uh, no, really. I know me. And I know me. One of the reasons I'm a minister is because I need to be obligated to be here. This morning, when you wake up and you're going, seriously? Really? Thank you, government. Some, some of you are really happy. Oh, I love daylight savings time. You know, there are empty churches. Uh, go shop. No, no, no. We love you. We love you. Anyway, I, I'm just, I don't catch why this is so, such a thing. Uh, but you're going, ah. You know, if I didn't have a reason to be somewhere, I wouldn't be somewhere today. So I needed to put myself in that position. But there's another reason I'm a minister. Because we're watched. I need to be monitored. 
There's a t-shirt that says, in my defense, I was unsupervised. I love that t-shirt. Cammy has learned, do not leave Patrick unsupervised near a mall around Christmas, or I will overbuy for the kids. I don't want to. Well, yeah, I do. I really, really do. <laughs> but I'm not supposed to. My daughter will even lecture me. Now, we want a limit of this many dollars. And I'm thinking, <laughs> how cute. Uh, it's, it's a problem. I have a, my name is Patrick, and I'm a Christmaholic. Um, I, hello, Patrick. I, 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 I struggle with this. I, uh, yet, Cammie will tell you that we, no matter where we go, somebody will come up and knows me, and it reminds me, I need to behave. Wherever I am, I need to behave. Um, in fact, we were, we were on a cruise, hundreds of miles from the American coast, and I'm standing there looking at the dessert at the buffet, and there are lots of desserts, and I'm unsupervised, people. I, uh, you know, I, I used to be five foot nine, no matter how you measured me, I can do this again. You know, I'm just looking at this, thinking, oh boy, start to put it on, and a young lady walks up to me and goes, are you Patrick Mead? And I'm going, seriously? <laughs> I did a youth rally at her church years ago. I went, yeah, okay, Hi. <laughs> I, I'm glad I was being good. I walked away with only one little dessert until she left and went back and got some more. The, the whole point is, I need the group. Even if I don't want the group, I need the group. I would ask you to remind yourself of that. A lot of Christians forget. And they go cold. Because it's easy to go cold. It really is. I just miss a few times, and then you don't feel guilty anymore. I am the vine, you are the branches. He keeps coming back to this. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What kind of fruit is he talking about? Well, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. We all know that, right? Love, joy, peace. All right. The way it was taught when I was growing up was this he meant by converting more people. I actually think that's involved in this too. I don't think that that's a separate issue. I think if we live like Christ and act like Christ, we will make some people very angry at us, but we will also attract other people. We will bear fruit. I, um, I used this illustration a while ago, and um, a few weeks ago, but I'll just do it again. I, um, I, I get to talk every so often at the FBI National Academy meetings across the country. Love it, enjoy doing that. And they've given me shirts and jackets, and that's fun, too. It helps me get through TSA. You know, that I'll do it. But every so often, somebody will come up and say, you know, thank you for your service. And I'll like, nope, they just gave me the jacket. You know, I'm not an agent, never, never raised my hand, never uh, even raised the wrong hand there. Now, I, I've never sworn and never had to do that. Um, and that's, that's fine. But what that means is later today, I cannot knock on your door and say, open up in the name of the law. Because I don't have the authority to do that. I, I, don't, I don't have that. Don't do anything that you can't do with the authority of Jesus, is what he's saying. Peter put it a different way. If any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Only say and do what you can do as a follower of Jesus. And that is a, a rope around my ankles sometimes. Whenever I want to wonder and say something that shouldn't be said, uh, 
Most of the time I catch myself. Sometimes I don't, and I have to repent. Uh, Same with doing things. God says, hold up. Hold up. Can you do that in the name of Jesus? Now, I've been doing a lot of talking here, 20 minutes straight. Uh, Anything you want to add to this? Because he does keep coming back at it. It He's emphasizing something. Where are we? Yes. A car can't run on lemonade. Okay, now I know where you're going. Uh, he, said, he said, we can't run on anything but Jesus. Because you're exactly right. We were designed in his image for Jesus. You're right. Now I got you. By the way, if life gives you lemons, what do you do if you don't like lemonade? Anyway, um, over here. Well, you're, you're right. And again, James would say, uh, by the way, I need to repeat that for the people on the internet. Sorry, I forgot about that. Um, in the vine and the branches here, he'll talk about if you ask me for something, then I will give you that. James says that there's a limit there. You can't ask for your own selfishness. You can't ask doubting. He gives several qualifications there. And that's why um, the old Janis Joplin song, uh, she, she didn't write it. I'm not sure who wrote it. Uh, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz, was supposed to be funny. It's because that's not the kind of prayer Jesus is going to jump on. Yes, sir. She did. I didn't know she wrote any songs. Okay, thank you for looking that up. Excellent. By the way, that reminds me. We moved to Morgantown, West Virginia, uh, in October 93, and I really loved working there. We, we lived there eight or nine years and, and really enjoyed working with them. But after I was there for a year or so, somebody came up to me and they said, do you enjoy preaching there? And I went, no. And it, and because it, it was hard because you know, a lot of these people were university people, professors, and I had to put footnotes on my notes because they would go check things. Not because they were suspicious, but because they gathered data. They gathered information. And they wanted to know where that source was. <clears throat> Told Cammy, they're not going to let me get away with anything here. But it was fun. And they're still our friends. Let's, let's keep going. If you don't remain in me, verse 8, you like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. I don't think he's talking about hell here. He's just saying they're just done away with. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Now watch again. It will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. What we ask has to rebound to the glory of God, not to the glory of us. That's hard. Um, this may surprise you, but British teams in schools and, uh, don't gather to say a prayer before the game. It's not, not part of their culture. They also generally don't sing the, their version of the national anthem, you know, God Save the Queen, and they certainly don't do that north of the border. Um, but again, and, and so I, I was asked to say a couple of prayers, and I was lucky that I got to hear some of the prayers first. And I went, oh, and it made me feel a lot better. They weren't praying that they win. 
they were praying that they have a good game, that they did their best, and nobody got hurt. And I thought, you know something, that's, you can do that to the glory of God. You, you can't say, dear Lord, let us destroy the other team, humiliate them, and cry, let them cry on the bus on the way home. You can't do that to the glory of God, uh, unless it's against the Yankees. Um, I'm kidding, kidding. I really don't have any horses in that race or dogs in that fight. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The more you, the more you behave, the more you act like you belong to the family. This is a real problem now, is it not? You go to a restaurant with your family, and there are your kids, and they're not acting like they're part of the family because they're busy being part of something else. Now, I'm a data and information addict. I'm, I'm always pulling stuff in, so I'm not opposed to checking your phone, I'm not, but it's when you live there, there's an issue, there's, there's a problem. When you don't connect with your family and act like your family. Um, I'm so glad that my dating days are nearly 40 years behind me. I've been told by people today that one of the, one of the first killers, if they're on a date with somebody and they pull out their phone, that, that it's over. I can understand that, can't you? You want to you act like you want to be there. Be a part of it. And he's saying, act like me. Walk like me. Be like me. In fact, baptism is, some, is referred to as putting on Christ. I can remember, we went to visit my parents. I forget what year this was, but our son couldn't have been more than two or three. Uh, and he was sitting on a couch, I think, beside my mom. And my mom was tearing up. Now, I wasn't a granddad at that time, obviously, so didn't, didn't quite get the grandkid thing and, and that pull that, that grands uh, have for the grandparents and vice versa. But she was tearing up as she looked at him. She just kept staring at him, and I said, why are you crying, Mom? And she goes, it's like I have my wee boy back again. Now, I didn't think Duncan looked that much like me, but after some thought, I got it. Because we, we are... Now, he's a big guy. But if you hang around us, it's amazing that people say, well, you two are alike. We're so unlike in most ways that I think of. But we belong to each other, and that's obvious, that we are family. The same with my, my daughter. Um, we are family. Act like you belong here and do things to bring glory to the family. Now, let me talk to you about um, communitarian societies. And this, in, in the book that you loaned me, it's still on that, my library table for you to pick up anytime. Misreading the Scripture Through Western Eyes. To me, that was the most powerful chapter in that book. And I talked about that book to these ministers this week, and several of them said it was the most powerful one to them. Because America, and to an extent, uh, Western Europe, but certainly Britain, has a lot of individualism. You know, it's, in the movies, it's always the lone person breaking the rules that's the hero, right? It's the lone, and in fact, I noticed that, I noticed in my reading, I like to read books that are thrillers or, or mysteries, and almost all of them were of one guy going against the rules. I was going, I'm feeding individualism to me constantly. That's, it's, it's the lone ranger, not the U.S. Calvary. In fact, in all those old westerns, the Calvary only showed up the last two minutes, Right? 
communitarian societies, this, there's, it's not all good. But the whole thing is, do you bring shame or honor to your family, to the society? Do you bring shame or honor to them? Now, there are negatives. You've heard of honor killings, perhaps, where uh, certain Muslims, certainly not all, certainly not the majority, but certain Muslims have felt it their duty to kill their own daughter because she wore makeup or because she went out with a boy unsupervised and, uh, and uh, against approval. These happen a lot, even here in America. In Canada, they're actually a bit more open about reporting them as honor killings than you are down here. Um, I don't know if, how often they occur in Britain, but I do know they occur. I read British papers and it does pop up. Um, problem with British papers is that they're all scandal sheets, and so you have to dig through things to get facts. Um, and that's not always easy for me to do. There are others, for example, I had questions all my life that that book answered, frankly, um, about how the Japanese were able to behave as they did during World War II. Because that's not what you experience when you go to Japan. You do experience racism because they're very much our tribe people, and they, will, they notice that you're, you're a gaijin, you're, you're a foreigner, and they, you will be pointed out, and that's, that's a shock to them. Uh, and to act like a foreigner is a shame. But they're exceptionally polite people, if you've ever been around. It's, it's really, um, it's, the Canadians will look at the Japanese and say, guys, ease up. You know, they're very, they're very polite people. But how in World War II, the rape of Nanking, the bridge over the River Kwai, how did it, and it was all because there was no shame in doing evil if you are bringing glory to your community. So this can go bad too. But Jesus lived in a communitarian society and he is bringing us into a community saying, do not shame the community. I would submit to you that in scripture, division is not a duty. Division is a sin. I was taught division was a duty. Somebody disagrees with us on any point in religion, boom. That's our duty. No, don't shame the community. And how many times have you, I know how many, I haven't counted, I know how often in my life people have said, why are there so many churches, if Jesus is true? Why are there so many churches? Our division has weakened our testimony. Here he says that, he says, stay with the group. You've heard me say about snowflakes before, that they're very fragile unless you get enough of them then they'll stop a bulldozer. As my father has loved me, so have I loved you. I used to read real fast past that one. I don't anymore because I have thought about the father's love toward Jesus. And now we can apply that toward us. I always thought, you know, Jesus, God loved Jesus and for that love, he will tolerate us. You ever get that impression? The devil likes to give you that impression. I don't think sermons say that, but the devil likes to do that. He, um, he says, no, I've loved you that way too. Remember who he's talking to, by the way? Look at these disciples. Were any of them superstars at that time? I think it's arguable. I'm going to say no. Uh, but again, I think they did better than I would have done. I don't have any doubt that, of that. 
But he goes, now, remain in my love. Now, look at the parallelism here. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Look at that. That's the track. When I was a boy, I can remember asking a question. Uh, I think I was in junior high school at the time. And it was an honest question. I, I always have lots of questions. And our little six-year-old grandson, Fen, uh, he's mine. He's my buddy. Because every so often he'll say, I have a question. I'm like, yes. Uh, he, and, he, and boy, does he have them. If, if you get in a car with him, you will never wear out your radio. You're going to be busy. And he, talking. Uh, anyway, I said, I have a question. Because he said, if you obey, we read that passage of Jesus. said, if you obey, keep my commandments. You know, and I'm, I said, what commandments is he referring to? And in my head, I was thinking about the Ten Commandments at that stage of my life. Thinking, well, we're not keeping all those. And the response that came back was, all of the commands in the New Testament. And I, I said, okay. I don't believe that now. I believe we follow Jesus' commands that he was talking about. And what does he lay down? Love, command. Love, command. How many times can he emphasize love? Love is never a mistake. Now, please understand, sex can be a, a huge mistake. Um, being naive can get you killed, yes. But loving somebody is not a mistake. You still might have to take precautions. You still might have to lock your doors at night. But we love people. We have to find... Here's the thing. We say we love everybody, and I believe it. I, I do. Do they know it? I am a little ashamed to tell you this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Because I believe that you've got to live life out loud. And that we're all in the same boat. But it's easy for a preacher to hide behind one of these wee things. I don't know all my neighbors. Now, that's not the worst bit. It seems that they know me. Because I'll be out doing stuff, and they'll say, Hi, Patrick. And I'm going, Hi, person, individual. Across from me, I know not who. They seem to know me. Now, they may not know me perfectly. <laughs> we were in our driveway as our grandsons were playing basketball, and here came a couple of little girls up. I say little girls. I'm going to guess sixth, seventh graders, somewhere in there. They just stood and watched the boys playing basketball, and they looked at me, and they said, are you that Scottish priest? I went, well, that changed getting around the block somehow, didn't it? I'm, I'm not sure what happened. And so I tried to explain, well, no, I'm, I'm not a priest, you know, and uh, here's the family, and tried to go from there. But they know me. I have I'm, I'm in the recent weeks started thinking, for some reason God wants us in this neighborhood, and I'm not sure my neighbors know I love them. What am I going to do? And immediately, the devil starts saying, be careful, because the guy next door is clingy. Right? Immediately, the devil says, no, that person over there, got to watch out. No, i got to watch them. Yeah. It is amazing what the devil does. It really is. And he does it to me, too, in case you were wondering. There you go. Love commands, love commands. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. A um, couple quick things here. I love that passage in Hebrews that says there's a great cloud of witnesses. 
I often think I've got a choice of making them cheer or moan. Which is it going to be? I have to, I have to put breaks, mental breaks on myself sometimes. I'm, I can concentrate amazing concentration. But spiritually, I can have ADHD. And so I have to be very careful where I'm going with things. Sometimes I think, all right, what will make God happy here? What will make them cheer? But he also says, if we do it, our joy will be complete. What's the difference between joy and happiness? There's actually a good definition, but I, I'm, I'm not testing you to see if you know that one. One's internal and one's external. Okay. Okay, joy rises up from the Spirit of God. Yes? Yes, and you've nailed it linguistically. Uh, happiness is circumstance-based, situation-based. Have you heard of the term happenstance? That just happened to happen? That's where you get the root word for happiness. It is our reaction to an event. Joy is our reaction to a state of being. You know, somebody today, I won't say who because I didn't ask if it could be announced to the group. Somebody today said that they are expecting a child. I went, oh, that's great. I said, you know, my favorite thing ever was being a dad. And everybody said, oh, you'll love being a granddad even more. And I understand where they're going from. And there are times I think that they're right. But I really loved having them 24-7, being with those little guys. That was just wonderful. It didn't always make me happy. But I had joy in the journey. Do you understand the? It's kind of like when I come here. Every worship here brings me joy. Not everyone it makes me happy. Because sometimes the sermon's going to be difficult for me. Or sometimes the songs aren't resonating with me. That happens. Happens. But it's not about happiness. It's about joy. And I've never come here and not experienced joy. This is a thin place for me every week. I look forward to Sunday mornings. It breaks my heart that most ministers don't. To them, it's work. To me, this is at play in the fields of the Lord with people I respect and love. It works. Yes, please, Albert. You're one of the people I respect and love, by the way. Yeah, how do we move from a, a human form of love to a, an agape form of love? Wow. I think that's a, a lifelong effort. It's a, um, who was it? Menrith and Meyer, two psychiatrists who are Christians. I believe they wrote the book, Love is a Decision, back in the early 80s, late 70s, somewhere back in there. So it's been some time. And I remember mentioning that a few times in sermons long ago, and people coming up to me being upset at that concept. And uh, they had their own reasons for it, and I listened to them. But I believe that love, agape love, is not based upon feelings or happenstance. It's based upon a decision of who you are. Can I? Yes.
Now, that's a good point to be made. Uh, Jesus is concentrating far more on our usefulness, bearing fruit, than what we're getting out of the deal. But he does mention we do get joy. But joy sometimes comes through pain. I think childbirth is probably one of the most blatant examples of that. But there are other... Anything worth getting in life, isn't it hard to get it? Whether it's to become an MD or to get a pilot's license or... Or, and by the way, when your kid gets a driver's license, I know it's society expects you to be going, oh, no. Celebrate. Celebrate it. Celebrate their journeys. It's amazing what happens and how they behave when they know you celebrate what they've learned to do rather than act like you're, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like these people that go, I can't wait for school to start again for them to leave. And I'm going, no, don't go. You know, I, it's joy for the journey. Joy doesn't always feel happy. And love doesn't always feel like love. I, I explained this to my kids years ago by saying, chocolate tastes really good, doesn't it? And they said, yes, it does. I said, you know why? It doesn't have any vitamins in it. They said, broccoli tastes awful, doesn't it? And they go, yes. They call it trees. Yeah. So you know why it tastes bad? Vitamins. I did that one morning because one of them, we laid out vitamins for them, and one of them, it rolled into food, and they put in, why does it taste so bad? Vitamins. Now, I was overstating, but they didn't know that. My whole point as I began to talk to them was, sometimes doing the right thing isn't what will make you happy, but it's still the right thing and we need to do it. And I think God's signaling us through our food. By the way, yes, we have done many, many studies, and one square of dark chocolate a day is probably really, really good for your heart. So there you go. I was wrong. They don't need to know that, so don't tell them. What we do is to bear much fruit for God, for the glory of God, not for the glory of us. What we do is for his joy, and when he is happy, then we will be happy. Filled with, joy, filled with joy. Not every day. But you'll notice it. You'll notice it. Um, well, i got to quit. Don't I? Yeah, let's quit. Because verse 12, we can start a new thing with verse 12. So let's just stop right here. Let you go get your kids. And if you, when you go down to get your kids... We had several visitors here today, so if you run across them, make sure that they feel welcomed home. I know you will, but look for them. God bless you. Cheerio.